everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Lost Hero, still. How are you, Jane? Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I did a sick bounce kick off someone's leg earlier and gave them a horrible bruise. So I'm feeling good today. You know those ancient, like, those ancient techniques. You know you know the things that could defeat the Romans. <laughs> this is it. This is what's um, more advanced. It goes, it goes Greek combat, then Roman combat, uh, then Taekwondo that you learned in a sweaty school gymnasium. That's right. I mean, you are a black belt. The, um, yeah, but only a first day. I feel like I would get killed by a Roman legionary. It's possible. But, like, I don't know. I feel like... If you if you were unlocked to demigod tr- skills all of a sudden, like if you if you got the demigod <laughs> boost, I think you would be really prepared to kill anyone. I f- yeah okay. If I could kick people and throw fire at them, I feel like that would give me a pretty distinct advantage. Uh huh. Right about this. Yeah. Uh, I speaking of throwing fire, I don't have a lot to say um, about the news. We got more casting. It all looks pretty good. Did we? We got more. Ca- I thought the last thing that was announced was. Um... What's his face? Mr. Crazy Eyes is Dionysus. No, yeah, we got Luke, we got Clarice, we got Nancy Boba Fett. Oh shit, do they do they give Clarice a cannon height? I don't know how tall the actor is. Because uh, we are in trouble if um, if they didn't. Because uh-huh. I, I remember a while back when they announced the show, uh, we, we tweeted out, give us Clarice's cannon height or give us death. Uh-huh. So uh, Rick Ryden is legally obligated to kill us if uh, they fuck this up. I from these headshots, I truly have no idea how tall any of them are. But I always thought that they got on Tamora Morrison to do Nancy Boba Fett. Who? Tamora Morrison. Who's that? The the old New Zealand guy. I really have no idea what the fuck you're talking he, about. <laughs> he plays Django Fett and Boba Fett. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're making a joke that's referencing the very first episode of our podcast. Exactly. I see. It's all callbacks now. Wow, and you know. If you want more of that, like, highly detailed, intricate, like, calling back to bring, weave, that that intricate weaving, listen to Unwise Girls. Continue to do, to do it. We finished recording the promo. You don't have to keep doing it in the episode. Okay. Oh, God. It, it's haunting me. We did that for, like, 20 minutes. It was so hard. <laughs> we, did, we did that. We'll hopefully have, like, a single minute of usable audio at the end of that, but I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah, any number of these actors could just be like Tom Cruise and just spend their entire career standing on a fucking box so you never actually realize how short they are. That's fair. I I wouldn't mind that. I I do imagine Clarice as large, so I just hope that she is large. I, again, the impression I had always gotten from the books was that Clarice was just like ripped to shreds. Uh Uh-huh. Which I don't want. I don't want to pressure. I, I the one thing I do not want is to pressure the children, the future children of America, into feeling like they have to like dehydrate themselves and just like very have unhealthy standards. No, just put her in a fucking muscle suit for God's sake. Do are those real? I I don't know. I, yeah, they put um, Ben Affleck in one in Justice League. I think. Wow, and if, I hope that the, you heard it here first, folks. Jane wants the Percy Jackson show to be on the same par as Justice League. <laughs> you you are putting words in my mouth. Uh, and speaking of uh, words, 
I didn't ask how you were today. I needed I, that's that would be polite. How are you today, Jacqueline? You know, I'm doing okay. I am a bit stressed, but I'm no. using this as a way to de-stress. You're gonna take everything out on these chapters. That's right. Just really fucking but, rip into them. I mean, I kind of. Well, we'll talk about them afterwards. But <laughs> for now, should we do the summaries? We should. All right. Chapter thirty-three. Piper. Piper wakes up from being goldified on Pike's Peak in Colorado, where Jason wrangled the spears to take them after Midas. She's also got hypothermia because they had to dump her in the river to recover her from the goldifying, but they've been doing their best to take care of her, using a combination of Coach Hedge's sportsy nature magic and feeding her nectar. While they try to keep her warm, Leo tells them all about his Hephaestus dream, and as they puzzle more and more over who's influencing the gods and what's being hidden from them, Piper gets more and more uncomfortable eventually retreating to her memories of her father. Once, when she was in second grade, her dad told her about an old Cherokee song called the Snake Song, which was all about the hard sacrifice of letting one person die to keep peace for generations. She usually regards her dad's stories as kind of just useless, but she decides to take this to heart, and finally tells Jason and Leo the secret she's been keeping from them, ready for their scorn. But what she isn't ready for is their acceptance and love. They immediately hug her and start thinking about how they can save both Hera and Piper's dad. Since he's somewhere in the Bay Area, Coach Hedge ends up in bringing up Mount Othrus, where Atlas held up the sky and Kronos eventually set up a new palace. But something about all that doesn't sound right to Jason. When Hedge says the palace crumbled after Kronos was defeated and the Bay Area has a bad reputation for demigods, Jason insists that isn't true. They don't have time to figure out what that means, though, as wolves begin howling in the night. Chapter 34. Piper. Since Piper is still in the throes of sickness, Jason, Leo, and Coach Hedge square up to pre- protect her from their next challenger. It's a pack of evil wolves led by Lycaon, a king who fed Zeus human flesh and was cursed to become the first werewolf, the King of Wolves. He's here to kill everyone but Jason, who he's been hired to deliver to a place called Wolf House. Jason tries to fight back, but only silver weapons work on them, and so Leo enacts his plan instead, splashing gasoline on the ground and creating a wall of fire between them. This only delays what seems like the inevitable, until silver arrows start whizzing through the dark and taking out wolves, forcing Lycaon to retreat. A group of smaller, nicer-seeming wolves come into the cave, followed by their masters, the Hunters of Artemis, led by none other than Thalia Grace. Chapter 35. Leo. While Piper goes to get her hyperthermia checked out by the hunter Phoebe, Leo sticks around for Jason and Thalia's reunion, to act as sort of like a horny emotional support. Thalia explains her and Jason's shared backstory. Their mom was pretty unstable because of the pressures of her celebrity, as well as knowing that one of her children was literally sired by a literal god. Uh, when Thalia was about seven, though, Zeus came back, this time in a more Jupitery form, and stuck around just long enough to get her pregnant with Jason before disappearing for good. That was just too much for their mom to handle. When Jason was two, their mom took them up north toward wine country, and, while Thalia was still in the car, Something happened that their mom said was Hera claiming Jason, making him as good as dead. That was the final straw for Thalia, so she called the cops, packed up, and left for good. They figure Jupiter being his dad and not Zeus explains Jason's Roman stuff, but still don't quite get how he survived without having a camp half-blood to rely on, so Thalia decides to consult Artemis later on. For now, they have to keep moving up the mountain. Chapter 36. Leo. The gang gets set up in winter gear before continuing up Pike's Peak, where they find a bridge of ice connecting the summit to Aeolus' castle, a beautiful sky island made of purple stone. 
Leo proposes Jason fly them up, but Thalia is terrified because of her fear of heights, and also she doesn't really know that, like, that's a thing that Children of Zeus can do. She certainly doesn't want to try it. So they stick with the bridge. The climb goes fine until Leo's brain starts firing on all cylinders, also firing up the temperature, and ca causing the bridge to start melting. He ends up making the connection that Jason, too, is a sort of bridge, and so must be connecting where he is now to somewhere that doesn't get along with it. And, since Hera said he was an exchange, something must have been exchanged in his place as well. Thalia keys into this as the clue about Percy, and when Leo mentions that the place in Jason's dream is called Wolf House, Thalia even knows where that is, and she says Jason does, too. The bridge evaporates, separating the hunters from our group and letting them go their own separate ways, with Thalia's side going to Wolf House and the quest goers continuing towards saving Piper's dad. So Jane, what did you think of these chapters? I my my notes for these chapters are really interesting. Uh-huh. Cuz it'll be like three three things in a row that are like this is an appropriate payoff to this this character arc. Uh this this is a nice little bit of imagery. Uh, and then like every three it'll say I'm really bored. What's wrong with these chapters? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it wasn't just me? Oh man. I I get it. I get it. Like I enjoyed these, but they didn't feel exciting, particularly. Yeah, I, I can't even particularly put my finger on what it is, because there's plenty in here that works, it just wasn't grabbing me. I mean, hopefully we haven't reached the heights of this book, but we've gotten to some tall, tall places, so maybe we're true. just like, it's not measuring up to those exact standards? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, the biggest problem with these chapters is, um, Lycaon? Are we going with Lycaon? Are we sticking with that? I think that's right. Yeah, like Lycaon is just kind of boring as an encounter. Yeah, that's the th he feels, first of all, he feels exactly like a random encounter, which, <laughs> I mean, sometimes is funny, but this isn't supposed to be funny, it's supposed to be, like, scary. There's cool stuff about him, but we've gone through this cycle before. They meet someone, Piper figures out, like, oh, I've, I remember reading about this mythology guy, and they and the, you know says the facts about him that makes him scary and like sure at a base like the idea of like oh i fed human flesh to god and he made me out into a werewolf that's cool but there's nothing too interesting done with it yeah it's it's missing what the last two had where medea was like a weird department store owner and midas was a scumbag guy who's trying to get you to invest in gold uh -huh. And Lycaon just doesn't really have any, like, modern update. Like, you, you can imagine when Original Recipe, if Original Recipe Jason ran into this guy, he'd be exactly the same, and it's kind of boring. No, that's exactly right. Like, there there are a ton of jokes that could be made here. Like, what if he worked with Midas, and he was, like, the wolf of Wall Street or some shit like that? <laughs> okay, that's right. See, this is why Jacqueline should write these books. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, with, with consultation from Jane, of course. Uh-huh. Now, I... I add in the bit about him peeing on a tree or something. Uh-huh, exactly. Now, like, he just isn't super impressive, and because of that, the threat is never fully there. Like, I know they're going to get out of it, and I don't know. He really feels like he exists just so that Thalia can have a cool dramatic entrance. And the problem is, it dampens that because he's not as interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, if this were, like, somebody I was really invested in them fighting and taking out, then I would be super down with the way that this happens. 
it and it's still cool that Thalia shows up, but I don't know. It's not as cool as it could have been. If a scary dummy was set up for her to like jump in and like whack on on her way into the scene. Exactly. It's one of the, and it doesn't really pay off. Like I guess just focusing in on this fight scene for a little bit. It doesn't super pay off anything with like the way that it's set up. Like, oh, only Leo and Piper can fight, or only Leo and Jason can fight, and Piper is left behind. And the problem is, we've seen this a few times already. Yeah, I don't think Piper has actually gotten to do any fighting. She's been injured or incapacitated in every single one so far. The only one she's gotten to do with was Medea, and that one was good. Oh yeah, she did, she talked her way out of the Medea thing. Well, no, she threw a, a, a shield into her stomach and, and caused the building to explode. This is true. Although I, I do need to... I, I don't like to like nitpick the actions of characters because that feels like... That's lazy criticism. People are flawed. They can make mistakes. I do feel like the, the hints in this chapter that Medea is coming back. Maybe this is what you get for not double-tapping the like, weird sorceress who has already, by her own admission, risen from the dead once. You think there are hints here? I think, yeah. Um, uh, Lycaon says that uh, Jason is, like, spoken for. Like, someone out there already wants to kill him. And he refers to them using feminine pronouns. And Piper's conclusion is that Medea must have survived the building fire and wants to kill Jason. I don't think so. That's Maybe that's true. I just feel like that would be kind of weak. I feel like this is going for something else, like a like a different reveal that there's some other woman out there who wants him dead. It's probably the piss woman. It could be Hera, for all we know. That's true, actually. Her, her rage still needs to get unleashed, I suppose. Yeah, like, historically, Hera does not like Children of Zeus, and even though she has claimed Jason in some sort of way, uh, maybe she is ultimately still going to act against them. I don't know. This feels... I mean, Hera claiming Jason feels a lot more like... Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> he, Jason is a useful tool who is disposable in a pinch. It kind of feels like Amanda Waller and just like original Suicide Squad. Because like, training a team of people, like, like tra- picking and training someone to go rescue specifically like you when you're stuck in a dangerous situation. Oh yeah. So, I don't know. But... Ah, I, I, I don't really know where this is headed. I, I kind of imagine that whoever's like speaking in the voices of the gods or whatever, like manipulating all of them is maybe the same one. Maybe it's, you know, our ultimate villain. I don't know. The pissed woman's heart is out. We can end this. Uh-huh. Oh, God. That'd be a really fucking funny ending. <laughs> be brilliant if he fucking predicted that five years in advance as well. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I mean, there are five books in the series. Maybe it ends the same year. God, it could. I hope it does, actually. I hope it wasn't pumping out a couple of these a year. Because along with Kane Chronicles, I imagine they'd have suffered for that. Yeah. So, yeah, Lycaon is just kind of nothing to me. He didn't even, like, transform into a werewolf. Oh, yeah. I guess maybe he'll, like, come back later. And maybe he'll do that. But maybe there's not enough time. Because if it wasn't a full moon on the night when this happens, there's only one more until the solstice. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, do we know? We don't know that those are like his activation triggers or whatever for becoming. Oh, uh, that's werewolf. true. I guess it could be like uh, old rule. Hmm. I 
But the other part of the Piper chapters really works for me, which is just like her continuing, which is her finally opening up to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, no, this bit's good. But now that we (laughs) say that, doesn't it feel like we should like it more than we do? Yes, definitely. Okay, I'm glad you said that as well. Because like, this is kind of just like what the book has been about to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we even said last week that like we've long ago stopped giving a shit about the the like big picture plot and are mostly just invested in this long term because of Piper. And this is a good resolution, but it's really expected. Uh, there's a there's a part of me that does kind of like how expected it is, because I I feel like. Piper as a character, this is something that really comes up in this chapter, like, struggles with, like, not belonging anywhere. Yeah. Like, she is constantly put down and bullied by her classmates, uh, and it is alienated from them by, like, her dad being a movie star. And also, like, because her dad uh, is, like, so embarrassed of, like, uh, their roots, she doesn't really have any, like, sense of, like, ancestral connection or anything like that. Yeah. And so, like, she has never really belonged to a group of people or a community before. So I kind of, I like that she is so terrified of that idea that even though she she knows that Jason and Leo are going to act this way, they basically said they will, she, she can't quite bring herself to believe it until it actually does. I, I completely agree. Because I think it's... In all of those respects, I think it's great. I just, it just, the fact that this exact same scene has already happened at least twice. Yeah. Like, I I love the moment. I like everything thematically that this is saying. And the fact that it's happened a few times means that this is like important to the book's, you know, important to what the book is saying. Mm -hmm. But eh, maybe a bit of mix up before we get to the final acceptance. I don't know. Like, maybe rearrange them so that this one comes earlier than a different one i I don't know yeah i I, this is kind of a problem that we've noticed a couple of times in this book come to think of it where like it seems like ideas are being repeated like piper is incapacitated the same way in a couple of fights the the falling asleep on a dragon falling off the dragon thing happens beat for beat a few times this scene has played out a couple of times already i think you might be right about this book maybe just being edited in a hurry and maybe needing another pass yeah it really does and it sort of just feels like rick found a few good beats and just hit on those until the drums broke (laughs) (laughs) which i none of these are like not working for me it's just that every single time you do the same thing it loses a little bit of impact for me yeah like they, they are good beats but it's diminishing returns and i wish I wish Piper got like the best treatment out of all of those. Like I wish that she got the loudest beat because mm-hmm. to me, this is just like where the heart of the story is so far. Yeah, definitely. But here's one thing I will say is that, you know, what would really make this all worth it? What? If the same beat almost happens again, but is then like cut in a really harrowing way. Like, like, cause we've had it with Leo. We've had it with Jason. What if Jason just, like, has something that he, like, can't be accepted by the others for? Ooh. Actually, that would rule. But I wonder if maybe, like, the theme of the book is, like, you know, trust your friends, they'll accept you. 
It's very possible. So it, it, it might be that it just won't go there. I don't begrudge at that. I think that's a good theme oh, no. for a children's book. But also, that'd be kind of cool. It's, it's, it's an effective moment that is potentially in Rick's back pocket. Now, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Why? What's up with Piper being like more gold than Leo? Like, why? I don't know. Is this setting something up? I. It must be right, because this is this is the Rick Riordan and Patton. Is if if he is drawing attention to something that's a bit weird, it's because he's going to use it in a reveal later. This is just how he writes. Uh huh. But I so- I have no idea what it could mean. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, Piper is more susceptible to being turned to gold. Okay, Midas is already dead. I mean, we don't know if he's dead. He's definitely dead, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. We don't know that Midas is dead for sure. We don't know that Medea is dead for sure. We don't know that Lycon, Lycaon definitely isn't dead. Maybe they just haven't defeated anyone yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, oh, I was going to say that Leo defeated those Cyclopes, but they just came straight back. Uh-huh. Man. If no, if there was like a final scene in this book, which is like every single enemy they've encountered so far overpowering them, that'd be very fucking grim. That'd be very grim. It would also uh, not be in Lycaon's favor to be stood next to any of the other villains. No. <laughs> he, maybe that's when he he gets like he gets pulled into Midas's Ponzi scheme, and that's when he becomes a stockbroker. <laughs> I feel like he must be like the debt collector in that arrangement. Uh huh. Like oh, and he's even, like. You, sunk everything into the gold and now uh, the stock price has crashed or whatever the fuck and a werewolf is outside your house looking to break your knees he's like the shizuo heiwajima of 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 minus's operation see now i instantly like him a lot more just because you said that (laughs) uh in our fan fiction he's really cool fuck we gotta get back to Dorara. yeah oh man this isn't a bad thing but these pages are also retcon central Oh boy, they are fucking, yeah, overflowing with ratcons. And it's, like, again, not a bad thing. That's kind of just what the series is about so far. But it's, like, wild how much every single chapter has something in it. Yeah, like, retcons in and of themselves aren't bad. And I don't even mind if they're, like, that obviously was not planned or something like that. As long as the story it leads to is good. And so far, The Lost Hero has been all right enough that I can give this a pass. But Jesus Christ, this does not slot naturally into the pre-established canon. It sticks out quite badly. It sticks out? Which of, what, what sticks out the worst to you? To me, it is absolutely the fact that uh, apparently Zeus broke the Great Pact twice. And nobody ever gave him any grief for the second time. Uh-huh. Like, it was a... It was presented as like a huge deal that he did it once and like apparently he went back and did it again a couple years later and Hera fucking knew about it and it just it didn't lead to like Hades starting a war over it or something I mean maybe he was just like well hidden for two years and then Hera took him and then like that's part of why Hera took him possibly but Zeus stuck around for a while that's that's one of the other things that Thalia mentions is that he like was there for a few months and long enough for like her mom to become a bit more stable during that time that is someone true. must have noticed that is true this is actually one of the ones i'm more for like i completely agree that it sticks out so badly 
But this is another thing where I'm like, oh, but they just had Hephaestus talking about how gods can be a million places at once. Oh, yeah, that is true, actually. So I'm willing to forgive it for that. I think, honestly, the part that sticks up most about it for me is, like, this feels like it should have had more impact on who Thalia was throughout the first five books. God, yeah, no, you're right. Like, we knew that she hated her mom, and we know that there were, like, a lot of reasons for that. But... I don't know. It feels like the. I guess it just like, oh, this is one of those things that feels like it should have come up at some point. I know that she says that it was a traumatizing experience and she didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. But it's really fucking weird that she never mentioned it to Luke or Annabeth. Right. You, you would think that those two, like, coming off so fresh of it, like, they immediately teamed up. I mean. Yeah, and they were, they were, like, traveling around the country. They only had each other for, like, a year or something. They confided, like,. Everything to each other. Yeah, like, I mean, Luke took them to meet his mom, and, like, a bunch of awful shit happened there. Yeah. So, I. Yeah, it, it seems weird. It's strange. And I. It's not like I don't buy, you know, trauma completely pasting over events, that kind of thing. Like, he just. Mm-hmm. It, it's just strange. It's not even that it doesn't make sense. Like, you can tell me that this, like, is something that Thalia would have blocked out, that this is something that speaks to her characterization. I agree. But the fact is, I don't know. It it still goes down like a big pill. Yeah, definitely. And, and speaking of um, Thalia's character, I kind of feel like she's kind of weird and a little bit off in these chapters uh-huh like i know she she has been through a lot since like the last time we spent a lot of time with her in titan's curse but she feels so much less volatile now that was last summer that was only a year ago not even a year ago that was a few months ago Mm-hmm. like i i'm this is the winter. No, the Titan Sol- War was a, a year before this. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I the, is this the winter solstice they're doing right now, though? Uh, yeah. Okay, so it's been like a year and a half. Yeah. Okay, okay. So even still, I guess this speaks to like what not aging as a hunter does to you, but she really does just feel like smoothed out in a strange way. Yeah, she. I don't know. I. Especially because while she's, like, delivering the the backstory about Jason, Leo is being horny and continually interjecting, once again exposing his huge beast boy energy. And she she acts incredibly coldly towards him, and that feels off. I feel like she should be, like, verbally sparring with him or being, like, quite aggressive and telling him to fuck himself. Uh Uh-huh. And I, I guess it could just be like, you know, she's the immortal ethereal leader of the hunters now, uh, but that's boring. Well, this is when I go back to the last immortal ethereal leader of the hunters, Zoe Nightshade. Oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> she was fucking constantly tearing people's throats out. Yeah, no, she hated Percy so much. What I, like, Thalia also was on that quest, so if I wanted to, like think about this in some like chessboard thinking type ways maybe she's like explicitly trying to not model her leadership after zoe i guess that could be it maybe it'll come up next time she like speaks to annabeth or something like that yeah that's 
this is the problem is that I cannot get a good enough feel for what she is like until she speaks the characters I already know. Yeah, she there's no like prior context with any of these from their perspective because Jason's been fucking mind wiped. And that's interesting in its own right that like they're presented with this character who we know but they don't know and who Jason has just like this completely like the fact is he knows her as a picture that he found in a cabin and to that extent this is an interesting character for him to meet is like this very smoothed out sort of like the 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 quippiest she gets is being like oh I just met my little brother again for the first time in years I'm sure I'll have a few minutes before I get annoyed with him like that that feels very Thalia but that like she's yeah she's so glossed over that it is interesting like is this just because of Jason's perspective on her like that that line actually like caught me off guard because that was the first like really Thalia sounding thing she'd said in an entire chapter I wonder if maybe the the thing is like because one thing that Leo mentions in the next chapter is like he thinks that Thalia is a lot like Jason Uh uh-huh and so far Jason has not been very volatile He's been generally actually quite cool-headed and also a little bit of a charisma vacuum. <clears throat> and I wonder if maybe uh, Thalia's character is being like softly retconned a little to be more like Jason just so that like comparison works a bit better. It's very possible because there's like a million elements to this. I, I just want to see more classic Thalia, I guess, or like to see how she got from point A to point B maybe. Yeah, if, we, if we'd if we seen the arc that, like, justified these changes, I wouldn't have any problem with it at all. It just feels off because we don't know how she got here. Right, and we can sit here all day being like, oh, her experiences in XYZ could lead to this. And that's obviously, like, you know, the book doesn't have to tell us everything. But also, mm-hmm. uh, we, can't, we can't really imply, like, implicate... Fuck, what's the word? We can't really infer everything either. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I'm like, oh, maybe this will come up and, like... This is starting to feel more and more like a long-term thing. Maybe we'll get some more of this like next book. I you'd have to you'd have to hope so. I because mostly Percy Jackson characters have shown up as like on their own cameos so far, apart from Chiron and Annabeth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I think it, it'll this will hopefully be a bit less egregious when they're like able to interact with each other and like and fall back into some of the patterns that we know. Yeah. I. I want to head over to the Leo chapters because, because I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit. In fact, I guess most of the style discussion, it's so, I was really like, when I saw like, oh, the pattern is that this is going to be two Leo chapters. I was really not like, I, I was like, ah, this should this, isn't this Jason's time? Shouldn't he really be getting the Thalia chapters now that she's here? It completely yeah, it, works for me. Yeah. At, at first you're like, you know, it it feels like Rick's maybe boxed himself in with his own structure again. But no, it does work that Leo is, like, sat on the sidelines watching this play out. I love that he is, like, he has that moment where he's like, yep, looks like I'm being told to fuck off again. And then, like, Jason grabs his arm and is like, actually, dude, could you stay? I need someone here because this is fucking me up. That's that's a wonderful moment because we've been told over and over again by Leo that he is just constantly expecting me pushed out. So he's like, mm-hmm. he's not resisting it. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll leave. And the fact that Jason does reach out like that, that's wonderful. And what I think these chapters do excellently is that like 
the thing is, this could so, so easily be like, in these two chapters, Leo is the camera so that we he can he sits down next to them and is pointed at Thalia and Jason as they talk. Mm-hmm. And we get the information without a lot of Leo internality. That's not what happens. Yeah, no, we get we get lots from Leo. We get like his perspective on everything that Thalia is telling them. We get him relating it to his own backstory and like, you know, it, it changing the way that he views Jason. Like it, it the fact that he is the perspective character for these chapters is really taken advantage of. Yeah, exactly. Like him relating, there's this, the the moment that I think is my favorite across these chapters is when he's thinking about how like he had a just like he's like lost his mom and that's obviously like incredibly traumatic for him, but he's thinking about like his how he still has that relationship, that happy relationship in his memories. And he just starts like Morse code tapping out I love you on his leg. I'm like tearing up thinking about it. I do think it is. <laughs> it's a little bit funny that the most interesting character during Jason's big payoff for like a book long arc uh, is Leo. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, and also we cannot, we cannot like exclude the fact that Leo is just incredibly horny. <laughs> appropriate for this episode number god fuck i hadn't even you're right we did it we reached the funny we're on the we, funny we've reached the funny number congratulations everyone for making it this far i feel like leo would unironically make like 69 jokes he would he really would it would be so not funny at all he would like hand people in hephaestus cabin like sheets of complicated mathematical equations and it comes out to 69 he would absolutely lose his shit laughing at them <laughs> that's incredibly charming to me somehow Um, (laughs) just like as a character piece Um, but no like he he puts into words his like one of those like classic relatable things that's like I just like it's it's the 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 screenshot of of cowboy from cowboy bebop saying like (laughs) Mr. Bebop yeah Mr. Bebop He's just like, oh, I, I love a woman who can kick the shit out of me. Like, that's exactly what he says here. And it's, I mean, not exactly. He he wouldn't say that. There's no expletives in this book. But. I think we have even made this comparison before. That Leo just loves the kind of woman who will fucking kill him. And I'm glad he's self-aware about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can respect that. Unfortunately, sometimes I do think that this specific dynamic like a character who is like, oh, I just love a, like a strong woman who will like, who will give it back to me as much as I give it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that can sometimes be used to justify very like, I don't know. Like, Oh, one character is like, Oh, I know that she can totally dish it back. So I'll be kind of creepy towards her. Yeah. I feel that's another reason I, th- I think I wanted like Thalia to be like engaging with him and like verbally sparring with him. Uh-huh. Because her response to most of his, uh, like, flirtations is to just, like, glare at him. Which, like, the the longer that goes on, the more it kind of starts to feel like harassment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Leo absolutely, like... Leo is being kind of a creep. And I, I'd be good if Thalia was like, hey, fuck off. I, I do appreciate that, like, he opens his mouth and starts talking and Jason immediately kicks him. Uh-huh. That's a fun moment. Yes. 
Jason as a character is kind of like you said, he's not the greatest. His his dynamics, his like relationships with the other two, that's really where the heart of his character lies so far. Yeah, definitely. Like we get some fun stuff when he's interacting with other people. It's just like his internality is kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that though, I guess it's actually I think this is a technique we've talked about before. Is like uh-huh. when there's a character who is really, really like who is inc- like the most important to an event happening and the chapters just they're not from their point of view what that lets you do is like escape their internality in a way that otherwise you wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. and kind of view them from sort of an external point and i think that is that that's working here first of all and i'm excited for when we get to the next chapters to see just how jason reflects on all this because he's got to be fucking reeling from all of this. Uh-huh. Especially because, like, like he had this reunion with his sister, and then, boop, gone. Instantly like, fucking gone, yeah. Yeah. It, literally, the connection between them was severed when that bridge exploded. And the thing is, all he learned was, like, oh, yeah, we're brother and sister. Our mom sucked. Uh, yeah, uh, mom sold you. <laughs> it's... It's horrifying. Like, yeah, I, this is... Maybe he like he's gonna, like, knock his head on something to try and get the amnesia back. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a bit where Leo is just like, I wish I could take a hammer out and, like, hit him in a sweet spot to get his memories back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I do love that he picks up the, like, no good with organic um, components thing from Hephaestus. Just really playing into that, like, connection that they have. Yeah, I, I I had a hard time putting this into words, like, I think last episode when we talked about this, but it's very much like seeing that your parent is fucked up in their own way that reflects all too similarly on you, and yeah. also and then sort of, like, developing that language to describe your own feelings with in an interesting way. Yeah, definitely. I do want to say something nice about these chapters, because I feel like we've ragged on them a lot. Yeah. They do have a flash of something that I, like, I think characterizes the, like, the ride and verse books at their best. Uh-huh. Which is, like, villains who feel like proper characters and actors in the story, as opposed to just, like, scary faces that occasionally appear to propel the plot. Because I, I love the discussion they have after Piper, like, spills her guts to Jason and Leo. Where basically, Coach Hedge makes his first actual contribution to the story by explaining, like, that uh, Enceladus, like, won't immediately kill her dad for this betrayal... Because, like, he has an actual set of reasons for taking a hostage for leverage and killing him would undermine that. And it just, it, so, so often in, like, especially kids' fiction, if a villain takes a hostage, they kill the hostage for shits and giggles. And it's incredibly predictable and boring. And I like that in these books, like, a villain will take a hostage and it will actually be used as a hostage. It's the same kind of shit as, like, Kronos properly manipulating events in Sea of Monsters or, like, prometheus having his own shitty agenda in last olympian i like it. it's good no yeah like i completely agree also coach hedge we get the coach hedge backstory that was like exactly what we were kind of thinking it would be <laughs> <laughs> like damn he is just unhinged and was put out to pasture yeah like literally exactly that i i do like his take on like um uh, yeah i love nature i love when things kill each other like that's <laughs> it, it's a it's a different side to satyrs that we haven't seen before I, I do actually have a question about this. What's that? I thought the Council of Cloven Elders was gone. Were they, like, completely replaced? 
Well, I, I, no, I thought like the organization was gone because like most of the members fucked off just before the war started, and then their leader died like the same chapter as Silena Beauregard, thus remaining overshadowed forever. I kind of assumed that like they all just sort of came back and flocked around Grover. I I figured that like Grover's cult had seized control and it wasn't it wouldn't be called the Council of Cloven Elders anymore. But I guess like he's got a like, proxy, he's got a puppet government. The Council of Cloven Grover. <laughs> I don't know why it is. I, Grover is like the funniest character for me to think about. What, because he went from comedy sidekick to kind of weird, annoying cameo character to the Messiah? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but like, yeah, you're right. There's a level of like respect for the reader in these books that like the obvious thing does not have to happen. Like the hostage does not have to die. Like, like the villain does not have to be telling the truth, I guess. Yeah. Actually, I really like how you put that respect for the reader. That, yeah, that's why I like it so much. And I also really enjoy that. This is like showing that Piper just was not thinking clearly at all. Yeah. This is, this is something that we'd gotten with her, like just refusing to acknowledge anything about the situation, even when it was like at several points, it was unavoidable and she still refused to do anything. But yeah, she just was panicking and didn't really consider anything about it. Right, like, she threw herself into it. She was like, okay, fine, I guess this might as well fucking happen. But she didn't let herself think about, like, the logic of it. And that is really, like, I guess that's really realistic to me. Like, more and more, I'm like, wow, Piper, good character. Everybody is saying this. Piper is a good character. Absolutely, 100%. There are not frequent posts on the Camp Half-Blood subreddit about how much people hate her. Well, they can fuck off. They can. They can. Unless she turns out to be a shit character in the next few books, in which case, never mind. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Well, but I don't, all... I don't think she will. I like her so far. Yeah, in this book, she's very good. Yeah. Zeus is just, like, the worst. <laughs> yeah, we, we knew this. We knew this since, like, Percy did him a fucking solid, and Zeus's, like, reward for that is, I won't murder you. But holy shit, he is even worse than we thought. Like, this is one of the worst things we've ever heard of a god doing. Which bit specifically? Speci- okay. Or just all of it? Just this entire... He, like... Okay. He found a young, pretty, famous, unstable mortal woman, hooked up with her, revealed that he was a god, uh, just kind of fucked off after that, let her continue to, like, just, like, implode while he was away, came back as, like, oh, I'm serious this time, and this time I will He's be serious. daddy ser- Dom Zeus now. Ex- <laughs> I hate it, but you're right also. And is like, I, this time I will be a good father. He's a good father for, like, maybe a month. He gets her pregnant again and is like, oh, look at the time. Better go. And then he never, never fucking sees her again. I, it is genuinely incredible that he can still get worse. Like, like Jesus Christ, no wonder he went back on the deal he made with Percy. People talk a lot about how, like, oh, you know, I bet they wouldn't talk about that in the Percy Jackson books, like, all the all the shit Zeus does. This feels like the equivalent to, like, Zeus being just, like, the worst person in the world in the myths. This is, this is as close as you can get to that stuff. This is making him to be as scummy as you can get away with in a kid's series. Uh Uh-huh. God. 
but although who knows we thought we'd reached the the bottom on this before it could get worse it really could we haven't even touched on the final chapter oh yeah it's mostly just crossing a bridge i mean the fact is like it's got the funniest thing in the world which is that leo's neurons start firing (laughs) and that's and but also like uh, it's a literal firing and that he starts like to be on fire because he's thinking too hard Everybody everybody has had this moment where, like, everything slots into place and you feel like your brain is going to explode. But in his case, his brain does actually explode and blows up a bridge. It's also so... I, I really enjoy that it's, like, Leo that makes all these connections and stuff. But it's so funny that he is doing the fucking Pepe Silvia murder board style. <laughs> like, wait a second. We're on a bridge and bridges connect things, and the connection is kind of like an exchange. So Jason is also like a bridge, and it's it's so fucking funny in that way. And the thing that the cherry on top is like Jason and Thalia behind him being like, Leo, I, we get this, but shut the fuck up. You're melting the bridge. Please move. Uh-huh. And he doesn't. <laughs> he just doesn't. No. And I guess... I don't know. Good for him for having a thought, but <laughs> we also know that Leo thinks too much sometimes. That's true. He he is an overthinker. So so maybe just maybe just save it until you get to the fucking castle. <laughs> this, there are some like. What do you think of like the, the sort of revelations here, though? I mean, so I think the fairly clear implication of this is that Percy is, like, chilling out or wherever the Roman demigods chill out, right? I mean, it definitely feels to me like he's the other half of whatever exchange is happening. He is He is the other lost hero. There are two lost heroes. Yeah, I mean... Do you know what the next book in this series is called? Uh, Son of Neptune, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I really like the theory presented here that just, like... There's some, like, fucked up Latin teacher just (laughs) going around, like, abducting demigods and making them, like, do do the Latin stuff. Okay, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Thalia says that she doesn't know any fucked up Latin teachers who do that. Uh-huh. Except she fucking does. She does. That's what Chiron is. He literally taught Latin at Percy's school. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I thought as soon as I read this. It's so funny. Like I was, I really... I was so hoping that she would just like say that's fu- that's completely ridiculous, and then pause and then be like, "Shut up." <laughs> I re- what this makes me really want is to find out that this is like literally true, and that like Chiron had like a rival <laughs> Latin teacher <laughs> who like I don't know who is out there brainwashing and tattooing children. He's because, just like, like a, a normal guy, and every time they meet, he makes fun of Chiron's bladder control. <laughs> no, he found out the Chiron has his own camp, so he's like, "God damn it, I want a camp." <laughs> oh man, but yeah, that 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 is the implication here to me, and we we get another of the classic Riordan moves, which is uh, when a character is like, "You know this, don't you?" And a character's like, "What?" And the other one is like, "No, you definitely know it." Bye. <laughs> Uh, that, that 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 is a certified Rick Riordan moment. At le- at the very least, it works here, where like Jason is literally an, am- an amnesiac. We can safely assume that him like knowing something will click everything into place at the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, okay. Wherever the Roman demigods are coming from, 
it has to be like considerably shittier than Camp Half Blood, right? Uh huh. Like just absolute dog shit training. No idea how Jason beat Lyases, because like the the search party for Percy is the Hunters of Artemis, Annabeth, and what's his face Butch. And so far, they've looked for Percy. None of them have died. The 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 Roman demigod body count is at least three. Uh huh. Like Jesus Christ, what are they even doing? Like we know that the fucking Mercury kid died. There's a Mercury kid who died. There's some uh, some purple shirts like in Medea's store that are heavily implied that she like pulled them off dead demigods. And like, I guess to be fair, there were also orange shirts there, but like, it, it, I don't know. This seems like, well, okay. Here's what this implies to me. To me, like, Jason has some like. This feels like it's going to connect to whatever Jason was talking about with like. Oh, but that, oh, this is the other retcon. They're implying that, like, what we think happened on the West Coast with, like, Kronos' castle and the Titans happened differently than we know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, but you're right. And this one is a lot more, this one is, like, compelling to me because the fact is, demigods just kind of, like, stay away from that side of the country. And so it makes complete sense to me that just, like, people would... There could be things happening, and people would be like, oh, yeah, that's the story, we don't need to investigate it. Yeah, I mean, there literally is a Titan Mountain there. If you go poking around, you'll probably fucking die. Uh-huh. But yeah, this this seems like... This seems like a retcon that would work way better than the Jason stuff. If it just, like, the, the aura of dread around, especially, like, San Francisco... Maybe got like repurposed to be like, no, this is where the Roman demigods are. This is why you didn't want to be there. It's kind of like the same feeling that Jason gets being in Camp Half Blood. All right, because Jason is like, no, no, the Bay Area isn't bad for demigods. That's wrong. So I, there, I, I think that's a very, I think that's a good theory, Jane. I think that is also a good theory, Jacqueline. Thank you. Almost as goes the theory about Jason being frozen in time and uh, put in cryo sleep and et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> I, I just have to let go of that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what if what if he was a baby when he was frozen and... No, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe, I think... maybe Zeus actually didn't knock up Thalia's mom again and he just like had a baby chilling in the Lotus Casino. Uh-huh. <laughs> just oh, again, man. in the same fucking storage cupboard as Nico and Bianca. <laughs> oh, man. I think that'll do it for us today. Uh, I think so, yeah. Oh, this is this is a good episode. Our opening and closing song is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. Uh, you can find that at OC Remix. Uh, the podcast cover art is done by uh, Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter, a very good friend of the show, Vera. You can find us on twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There you can contact us using our links to our email, personal Twitter, Discord, whatever you want. We're brought to you by the Moonshot Network of Podcasts. Uh, there are lots of very good podcasts on there. Thank you very much for hosting us, as always. And I think we'll probably start plugging promos in here soon in the next couple of weeks. But on the bright side, uh, we'll be infecting other people's uh, podcasts by putting our own promos into theirs. It's kind of some podcast cross-contamination. Yeah, and also on the bright side, the, po- the promos will all be for very good podcasts, so you can go and listen to those. It's true.
If you want to support us, you can leave us a five-star in your review, tell your friends about us, or go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls. There, for a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For three dollars a month, you'll get the Discord role of a Friend of Bacchus, as well as all, of our, all our bonus content. Uh, yep, uh, our last bonus episode, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Gumpla, uh, little, little robots, little anime, uh, and like the extremely mature uh, and like kind of well thought out critics of children's literature that we are. Uh, we named the episode Cumdum Wang. <laughs> Did you really name the episode Cumdum Wang? I, I am 90% sure you signed off on this. I think you might have even come up with it. Did I really? Let me type Cumdum. No, that's... No, wait, did I not run this by you? You didn't run it by me. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, it's fine. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, that name may be a placeholder. It may be changed in future. No, it's good. It's fine. Um, <laughs> for five dollars a month, you can get our uh, Discord role of fr- of Venus's Chosen, all our bonus content, and a thank you at the end of episodes. Uh, speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank uh, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.